What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Andrew. Hey, Goldberg! I bet if that talk was a cheese burger, you stop it. No, I agree. I would not be an acid physically. I have more of a podcast body. Clap, 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 clap. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. At this age, if you can't be great at hockey, it's like, don't bother. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. That's Kevin. Yo. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the Definitive My Ducks Podcast. I'm not going to waste any time because we have on the line, we have Dylan Playfair, a.k.a. Coach T from the new Mighty Ducks. Dylan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me out, boys. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, Dylan from Letterkenny, the Descendants on Disney, a bunch of other stuff. Coach T now, I mean, just to take over the Mighty Ducks. Um, I, you're a little younger than us, but I think still in the generation. What was the just feeling like when you learned you were going to be the new coach of this this powerhouse Mighty Ducks team here? I mean, for real, is, uh, is a word that comes to mind. You know, absolutely having grown up with, with the Mighty Ducks and worn out the first two VHS on repeat with uh, uh, me and my, my two younger brothers. I mean, it was... Um, I think you hear the term dream come true a lot in this industry. Um, but that for sure was, was one of those moments. There were a couple of times I had to check in on the bench and look at my, uh, look at my sweater and go, this is a mighty duck. I'm doing it. I, I might be the, the jerk coach, but Hey, I made it. I'm sitting across from, from Gordon Bombay and, and we're giving each other sad eyes. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah how did this whole come about how did you sort of uh get the opportunity there you know it all kind of stems from Letterkenny so Letterkenny is a comedy that I film here with uh, a group of fantastic actors and television creators in Sudbury and uh myself and, and Andrew here play two hockey players in the show we're sort of the the town we're the jocks we're, we're dummies we're we're you know, fun, loving, well-intentioned, pretty hilarious hockey guys. And Steve Brill, the creator of the Mighty Ducks, um, was a fan of the show. Is a fan of the show, I should say. And I had worked with Bright Light Productions on the Descendants franchise. So Disney comes to Vancouver and there are production companies they work in partnership with. And Bright Light was one of them. And I knew Ariel Voicework quite well through the Descendants series, as well as Haters Back Off. We worked together on a couple of different projects. And I guess Steve was mentioning Letterkenny to her and, and she said, well, yeah, we've worked with Dylan quite a bit. He's, you know, he's in the Disney family as well. So um, he touched base. We went out for, for dinner and originally we planned to do just a cameo based on the scheduling conflict with Letterkenny. And then um, COVID hit, which, which sucks, but it pushed everything to the point where I was able to do both. Um, and it went from sort of a, a single episode cameo to you know, seven plus episode arc as the coach of the Mighty Ducks. And, you know, you mentioned um, my age and I think that was something that, you know, Steve and I were both quite aware of going into it. Um, and, you know, one of the, one of the cool things that I got to experience in my playing career was I, you know, I played rec league hockey and then played triple A hockey. And then my dad went to coach in Arizona and there's not much for, for minor hockey there. So my brother and I wouldn't play for an academy team. And, in the academy, there are coaches that are younger guys, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, who maybe were on a track to pro 
and some injury happened or some setback happened and their their alternate route into pro hockey is through coaching so there are these young guys who are in youth hockey with the game plan of becoming pro coaches and and to me there's something innately I guess I'll use the word hilarious I might get some flack for that because some of the guys do make it but there is something really funny to me about you know, a 29-year-old kid coaching 12-year-olds with the intention of going to the NHL and putting that level of pressure on them. And I thought that embodied Coach T so perfectly. And having played for those guys, I'm like, listen, I know he's going to look young. It's going to seem like he's young. But trust me, like, these guys exist. These guys who, like, I blew up my knee in quad AAA, and, man, oh, man, I was this close. I could have played pro, but this is my end. Like, I'll, I'll win state with these 12-year-olds, and then next year it'll be the 14-year-olds, and then next thing you know, Stanley Cup, baby, we're coming. Let's go. So I think that was, you know, something that I really wanted to bring to the table with Coach T being a, a young coach in this sort of obscure world of, of club hockey. Yeah, I played travel hockey a little bit, and I know what you're talking about. Um, my my coaches were like 29, 30, and knew, uh, it definitely um, was relatable for sure. Um, so let's go back. You talked about it a little bit. Uh, your dad was a coach. You played growing up. Um in previous interviews you've said like acting was something you always wanted to do uh like when did that sort of start for you because it's obviously like you're not coming from a whole acting family or anything like that uh when did you sort of get that itch uh to really pursue it there just another actors talk about their their career and hear a lot of my i knew when i was six years old i stood upon the the, the coffee table and performed my first song and dance. And I was bit yeah. by the bug upon that night. No, I, I, you know, I honestly just, I have two brothers. Um, we were always sort of entertaining each other. I had a big imagination. I was always told to sit still in class. So I was very disruptive, diagnosed with ADD to the ninth degree. And uh, I just always felt like I, I wanted to be doing something, with, whether it was playing hockey or, or performing or, or being, sort of impulsive and I think a lot of uh, a lot of actors have that same sort of like energy to them you know they like to be performing they like to be on and and for me for so long hockey filled that, that void like the feeling of going to practice and getting ready the, the butterflies and and the fun of the creativity of playing the game um I'd always sort of thought I would play hockey till I was in my 30s and then I was going to go to film school it was something I always wanted to do and, and I always felt like that would be my my plan b and uh, my last year of junior, uh, you know, I was playing in a good league. I was playing the BCHL, but I had zero goals, one assist. I wasn't a skilled guy. I wasn't going to go to the NHL. And it kind of started to, the picture was started to paint itself for me. And that was the same year I, I uh, um, Friday Night Lights. And I realized, oh, Taylor Kitsch played in the same league. And I was talking to my coach and he goes, yeah, you know, he, he moved to Vancouver and New York and, and now he became an actor. So I thought, well, geez, if, if he can, he can do that then I'm, I'm sure I can figure it out so it was kind of just a fast track of, of the plan that I'd had since I was a little kid was I laughed about it now it's like my plan b was an actor my plan a was the NHL I, it kind of shows you how far in the clouds my head's been a kid but hey you know yeah one out of two is not try bad again and yeah one out of two is not bad considering what the two were one out of two is pretty pretty good yeah. So uh, you talked about it a little bit, but, you know, growing up, we're out the VHS tapes. Um, it's it's a pretty um, controversial topic here in terms of the originals, in terms of, 
you know, which ones are the best. I, how would you sort of rank the first three Ducks films there? Oh, man. Well, the original, obviously, young Charlie Conway, is, there's just something so endearing about that innocence. Um, man, but Iceland is the villain. Like, I still, I still, to this day, like, when I was doing my, my, my fitting for Mighty Ducks, I had the song, Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are? You know, the Stephen Gordon yeah. Bombay is getting all like steezed up and he's like getting all sponsored deals. And, and I'm like, yes, this is, this is it. Like he's losing his way. Yeah, like I'm, I'm hot. I'm too hot to, to trot. You know, this is like this coach is in his journey. And um, so for that reason, I got, I love the second one. Man. I love when they, you know, say, oh, they're also good for different reasons. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I love it when, uh, for whatever reason, like two, there's, the Mighty Ducks become Team USA because they're the best. Like I think that's kind of my favorite. So that's the second one, right? Second one yeah, is when they become Team USA. One. Is that the third? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the third is when they kind of like go back to the academy, right? Right. Right. They got a yeah, high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. The, the the third one Mighty. is is the best one, and everybody that's, knows that. Kevin's ill informed. Oh, there's already a riff going on here. Yeah. See, I lean into two. I think two. Two is at Iceland, right? Yeah. Two yeah. Iceland. Oh, yeah. man, Gunner, Gunner saw. Yeah. What a, what, what a decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the acceptable... Who's, who's, who's voting for the first one? As I watched the first one more, uh, you know, I, I put it high, like, but as, you know, growing up, I was always 2-1-3, but I might go 1-2-3 now. Uh, but Kevin is the only one who's really fighting for get older. Man, that's a that's a lonely road fighting on, fighting for number three. Yeah, I'd say two one three. I'd say two one three myself. But hey, that's the beauty of it. I I just did an interview and the guy asked me about the the controversy. You know, some people are stoked about it. Some people are like, how dare you touch something so perfect already? But that's good when you have a project that creates an emotional response in people, whether they're thrilled or pissed. That's good because I think that engages. A- conversation that goes beyond the you know the 10 episodes we've done here i'm excited to 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 see the reaction some people are going to love it some people are going to want to i don't know not not love it i don't want to say too much but (laughs) i i I love it i'm stoked on it i think it's a a really really um i think it did a really good job of of doing the originals honor and then also incorporating these like new elements of academy hockey yeah do you have people that like came up to you and said hey like why are you guys rebooting this or anything like that has that happened to you specifically you know just on the internet not in person like people get really internet tough you know it's like we used to when i was uh when i played junior like call it cage tough someone like has a visor and they get hurt and they wear a cage they're really really tough for the cage because they know they can't get hit in the mouth um you know people on instagram have been pretty a lot of support mostly support a couple of people are like why would you do this why would you mess with something that's so perfect but then you look at the success of cobra kai i mean uh hey i i, I think uh if it ain't broke like keep working it <laughs> it's not broken like it's not it's not it's not a situation if it ain't broke don't fix it but it ain't broke so like let's see what we can do with it now you know it's still relevant and let's let's play with it for the for the modern day i i, I like it a lot uh, yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, aside from Charlie Conway, uh, w- w- which one of the ducks did you like personally identify with? Uh, Conway's easy answer, but I, I, I want to know, was it 
Was it Carp? Was it Peter? You know, I, I want to really dig deep here. I think like I had my 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 first inclinations towards the the the, the feminine race, like the, the cat. You know, Julie the cat. That, that made me feel some stuff. I was like, oh wow, this is she's awesome. <laughs> this, this is great. Um, so uh, her also um, I'm trying to think. Who, who's the who busts their wrists up and they gotta Banks. hold the stick and do the thanks thanks yeah that scene too i remember i had the my on the <laughs> i got a puck that chipped up off of uh our coach like shooting puck. i was like young i would have been probably 10 or 11 and i got my first bruise and i wasn't like bummed about it i was like yes it's just like cody banks's bruise it hurts a lot and i don't think i could twist a stick in my hand but it looks just like it like it was a black and it started like getting green around the edges, but it looked like Cody Bruce when he holds the stick. So for that reason, I'm like, I don't know, I feel like maybe I could have played through that. Like Cody, you're soft, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think each player's got a unique connection at, at a different phase in, in my life. Like now that I'm now that I'm more of like a a, a funny guy. Um, uh, the 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 meister the guy who talks like this you know what I want to talk about. what's his name God, I'm going blank so we're stuck Averman <laughs> I love Averman since humor man I love that guy I think he's hilarious yeah so Banks one... you know Banks because of the the, the K theater thing but yeah Averman's a beauty so uh so one thing when we're talking to uh to actors from the original series they talk all the kids say they, they lied about if they knew how to skate whatever but there were a couple of good skaters on there obviously you grew up playing hockey you grew up being coached you you um you know you you experienced probably some coaches who are a bit of a you know you know jerk offs or whatever when you are playing this kind of douchebag coach how much did you channel from coaches that you knew and were you like really kind of judging some of these kids who are like, yeah, these, no, they don't know how to skate. Like, could you channel that pretty well? Yeah, you know, I think like every, every character you play, I think exists inside of you in one way or another. Um, I certainly took inspiration from a lot of coaches I've had along the way. Um, the biggest thing for me was like, I really wanted to make him believable as that, as that young guy. So for me, a huge part of making Coach T real was having that element of like, I need these kids to get my shot back. You know, that was sort of my internal monologue of like, these kids are my are my in. And um, you know, it's funny because they're they're all really talented actors, and then, and they they learn super fast. So to watch their learning curve from like not really knowing how to skate for sure, a bunch of them lied on their resumes they could not play hockey when they got there but they became really good and then when it came time to do the actual really complicated hockey stuff they had stunt doubles come in so um the only real like sort of genuine moments of like watching the actor and then reacting to to their hockey is like that opening scene when when coach t cuts brady's character where like brady was good like brady learned how to play hockey very quickly and it was kind of like hey look kid like you're good don't get me wrong but like if you're not like you need to be way up here for this to make sense for me like if if, if I'm going to take the time to coach you you're going to be in the NHL and if you're not going to be in the NHL 
you're going to find another coach. And it's nothing personal. It's just the way it is. And that for me was like, it, it set the tone so well for the character because like, he cares about his kids, but he cares because he wants them to win, not because he wants them to be like contributing members of society. Like, I feel like he's the kind of coach who might put HGH in their orange juice. <laughs> That's you awesome. know, because they give him a better shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, did you ask or did anyone tell you what the T stands for in Coach T? Hotly debated still. I think it's Tingman. Tingle. The Tingle there. Ting Tingman, I think Tingman, Ting okay. Tingman, Tingman, Tingman. Okay. That was yeah. That that was a, it. Was a hotly debated topic of conversation with the Brill and writers. A couple of different options that we looked at as far as what his middle name could mean. So, like, where does the Tingman come from? Does it come from anywhere? Is that just something that they made up? You know, I'm sure Brill has a has a well thought out backstory <laughs> as far as why why Coach T is Coach Tegman. But I would be pulling info right out of the ether if I started weaving some sort of tale for you guys. But <laughs> I'm sure one of, there is one. Maybe it was one of Brill's coaches or something growing up. Yeah, yeah he, he he's got a he has a um a nifty way of sort of incorporating callbacks to to reality and, and incorporating them into the into the series so i'm sure there's a tingman somewhere along the way who's whose homage is being paid through coach t nice nice now um your hair your hair gets a shout out actually early in the first episode it actually looked kind of reserved in the duck did you have to like cut it for that or how did that work so, out i had just finished another film and i had to and my hair was cut shorter than it than it normally is so uh i don't know i mean honestly like it grows quick on its own but i hope fans catch that because like the, the the filming period wasn't that long like i think we filmed the duration of it was like four to six months from first episode to last episode and it goes from like here to here in like <laughs> the length of the series so um my my coaches always used to bug me they're like dude your hair grows so like we would do um for playoffs so we'd shave it down to the wood and then like grow the, the playoff flow or whatever mm -hmm. and I was always like the first guy to have it come out of my helmet like pretty quickly so um yeah we'll, we'll see if fans catch that because it, it was it was tamer than it probably should have been um but it certainly it got up to speed around episode three so we'll, we'll see if fans clue into that Coach yeah. T's got turbo flow. It's fast. <laughs> nice. Got that dirty salad going. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of looks like Bombay and D2 and Coach uh, the, the Iceland coach, Coach Stanson. So I, th I thought it worked pretty well there. Um, yeah. That's what I was, I was driving for that. I was driving for a hybridized version. Coach, uh, coach Bombay and, uh, and Iceland. There you go. Uh, obviously... You talked about doing Letterkenny sort of right before this or kind of during it. Uh, obviously, that's a very sort of adult show. Uh, how difficult is it to move from Letterkenny uh, with, you know, Shorzy and Jonesy and all them and, and to a Disney production? Yeah, I just got to My language is the only thing. Like, you get caught up in that vernacular because we're all hockey players right so like before letter candy became a show we were all actors in, in vancouver but before that we were all 
playing junior hockey in, in one province or another. And, uh, and Letterkenny was sort of born out of a beer league dressing room, like Jared and myself and Tyler and Andrew and Nate and uh, Jamie LaPointe. Like there was a bunch of us on the same beer league team. And so, you know, the language in a locker room and then you double that with the language of Letterkenny. So when I come to, to uh, Disney sets, I'm like, okay, there are children here. Like, <laughs> Don't swear, don't cut. But I mean, as far as comedy is concerned, like the rhythm of comedy, the timing of comedy, it's all very similar. You know, it's it's a setup, a mislead, a punchline. Like the comedy is formulaically, it's quite simple. And a lot of it is sort of, you have to, I think, read a room and be open to improvisation and, and sort of understand your character's place in the bigger story. Like, uh, so much of comedy is, is, is character driven. And if you know your character well, then you sort of know what they would say. And that makes it easier to not slip up and start saying stuff that your character would, would never say. Like when I was playing Gil on Descendants 2, like Gil's not going to drop an accidental F-bomb. Like Gil's <laughs> just not going to, not going to do that. And, and if I've done my work before I get to set, then, then that should, that should be, be obvious, but in rehearsal, Dylan might, like Dylan might accidentally drop one because he's been on set of Letterkenny for four months or every second word is an F word. But um, <laughs> other than that, no, it's just, it's just doing your prep and making sure that you don't, you don't improvise the, the wrong accent or something like that. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna go ahead and take this opportunity to, to we'll call this the quack question uh, for, for this episode. Uh, I'm going to take some liberties with this one because this comes from a college friend of, of Tommy and mine. Um, he was a huge Letterkenny fan. Uh, so he, he wants to know if anybody, uh, this is from Bandy, and Bandy wants to know, has anyone on the Mighty Ducks set told you to give your balls a tug, you tip fucker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, two extras. Two extras told me to give my balls a tug, called me a tip fucker. And one extra told me I have a great dick face. <laughs> To which I responded, thank you, and really probably overthought it for the, for the rest of the shoot. Because <laughs> it was meant as a compliment. I, I know it was. I believe it was his tone, the way his, his smile was when he said it. He was like, this is, this is info Dylan's going to want to know. Hey, buddy, <laughs> you got a great dick face. I'm like, that is okay. And in one industry, can that be considered a compliment? And, and that was it. So... Yeah, I, I've, I've been called a tip fucker on that set. Uh, thanks to Letterkenny. And I've also been told I have a great dick face. So there's, there's that. <laughs> yeah, I think Good context. Thank you. <laughs> I think context is important there. Did they just like yell this out as you're walking by or like? Were you it, was, it, it, was, it was after that scene I was telling you about where I'm on the bench with, with Gordon Bombay and, and he's now sort of becoming more involved in the team and and we have this moment where we lock eyes and it's kind of like it's a stare it's a staring contest basically we were both like i don't like you and you don't like me and it's very uh very very d2 standoff moment ass and uh yeah there's there's a background performer who could see this going on and as i was leaving the ice he's like hey dylan I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? you got a great dick face like that was that was a good dick face i'm like thanks man <laughs> strive for that every day years and years of, of meisner technique to, to get that dick face just right <laughs> so when you go in and take some new headshots you're gonna say okay i need my like my comedy need serious and i need a dick face all right yeah Can you do that i'm gonna mm -hmm. give three poses my job is to make them perfect your job is to capture the moment all right 
comedy, drama, dick face. Go. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, are you just maybe not necessarily those terms, but did you get a lot of like letter Kenny love on the set? Did people kind of know other than Brill, obviously did, did it people kind of you know, the, the Canadian cast and crew did. Yeah, for sure. Um, some of the, the U S actors sort of, um, cause it's been a Hulu for a few years now. So a couple right. of guys knew about it, but honestly, the majority the, the kid like so a lot of these kids are born like 2003 2001 like it's crazy man they're, they're kids right um and the one that sort of blew me away was how many of them knew me from some assembly required some assembly required and descendants two and three so which was kind of nice because I, I think if they maybe if they recognized me from letter kenny it might have been a little bit more intimidating like it felt like there was uh a sense of camaraderie like they were they were genuine like they were kind of stoked to meet me and like vice versa I was excited to work with them and they're excited to work with me because they they'd seen me on tv from the time they were little kids um and I think like from like a lot of these kids did not play organized sports and I know from having coaches there's that level of sort of like it's a little bit intimidating to have like someone who's not your mom or dad telling you what to do you're like okay like this is intense so to have that sort of um camaraderie like before we started filming to sort of like bake into the to the dynamic like hey we've known each other for a while i've been your coach for a long time like that that sense i guess it sort of helped and and i think that it would have been different if they'd recognized you from letter kenny as opposed to you know a children's comedy series (laughs) yeah yeah a little little less intense (laughs) were you able to slide in any you know vernacular uh into the Mighty Ducks, any Ferdas or Bardownskis or anything like that? You know, we, we really wanted to make sure that um, it was a new character compared to, to, to the other characters on, on Letterkenny. At the same time, so much of what makes the Letterkenny guys funny is the, is the genuine phrases that exist in real locker rooms. So, um, but then there's also that dynamic of like, the coaches are always these kids, you know, how kids these days, like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, come on, what was this music you're listening to? Like, we need some classic rock, some CCR. It's like, get out of here. We're listening to Machine Gun Kelly. Leave the room, dad. You know, so like that, that element of, like my dad to this day, he's coaching the NHL for years and years. And I'll talk to him about like a curve or like something in, in like the NHL hockey series, like the game. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, yes, you do. You do know what we're talking about. You just choose to, to to remain that like crotchety old coach, you know. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a, a a little bit of like, as far as the improv chirping on the bench is concerned. Yeah, a lot of that stuff was stuff that actually happens. So I guess you could say it comes from Letterkenny in a way. But you know, Coach G's his own man. He, he's coaching for the Mighty Ducks. You Not um. Shamrocks. You talked a little bit about the, um, you know, how people might react to it. You know, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to, you know, why did, why did you, you know, ruin this? What do you think like the lasting legacy will be? Cause you know, here we are, we've done uh, a couple hundred episodes about the mighty ducks and now we've got, you know, 10 more episodes. So in theory, we're going to have 200 more episodes, that, you know, to bullshit about. So what do you, what are you hoping like the legacy is going to be of this new mighty ducks I guess for in, in 20 years when, you know, you're talking to people who are your current age now. 
Um, you know, I, I really feel like having read the scripts and, and, and been a part of, uh, of these, you know, last 10 episodes here, um, I, I really feel like it did such a fantastic job of touching on the, the absurdity of academy hockey themes and of the reality that a lot of these kids at age 12 are picked out as like, those are the ones that are going to the NHL and they get the focus and they get the absurd amount of funding that it takes to become a pro hockey player today. And, you know, I think the, the Mighty Ducks films were made during a time where some of those rec league teams looked like that. Some of those rec league teams had kids with mismatched gear and they were misfits and, and like the, the most passionate one would sort of trickle to the top and, and there was a genuine route to the NHL based on heart alone. Um, and that has changed and, and whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, I, I think it's up to the individual to, to watch the series and decide because, you know, there are scholarship opportunities for, for really skilled players, but there's also sort of this like this madness of, of why, why can't we just play for fun? Cause I just play for fun now. Like I never made the NHL, but I also value the competitive hockey that I played leading up to now. And I still appreciate the game for what it is, but I also meet a lot of people and it brings me a ton of pride to know that there are people who started playing hockey in their late twenties and love the game and are just sort of learning. And, and I think, I hope this exposes that side of the game that's still alive and well. But I, th I think a lot of people have this idea of hockey as being like a very, um, the barrier to entry is quite high. Like the equipment's expensive, the ice time's expensive, the travel's difficult. Um, but I don't think it has to be that way. You know, I've played since I retired from junior, I've done stick and puck and drop in and beer league pickup. And I, you know, I've had the same set of gear since 2009. So like, I, I, I hope that people see this and recognize, you know, hockey is so much more than just the pursuit of the NHL. I think hockey is camaraderie and, and good time with great friends and staying active. Um, and also, uh, you know, something that can be, sort of of all ages like you don't have to be you don't have to be on the pursuit of the nhl to to enjoy it you can start in your 50s if you want you can start when you're five years old you can play for a very long time i mean it's easier on the knees than people think it is and um i also feel like it was you know done really well in the sense that it, it honored the first three movies really well that same sense of humor is there i i, I love working with with Lauren Graham and, and Emilio Estevez, like the speed at which those guys deliver the dialogue, but there's still that quirky, zany element of, of D1, 2, and 3, but it also was set against the, the backdrop of like modern hockey, which is, uh, yeah, I just think they did a really good job of, of, of making it relevant and keeping it funny and honest. That's very deep. I like it. Yeah, hey, man. Soundbite City. I ramble sometimes, but I am passionate about it. You know, like I'm really, yeah, I'm fiercely passionate about this project. And I really, I hope that people get out of it what I got out of it. Cause I, I got a lot out of it. Perfect. Perfect. So I've got a, one, one thing Mike mentioned is, you know, we, we tend to ramble a little bit too. And so for our, our listeners who can't see here, but, but Dylan's wearing um, what I would call a party shirt. Um, and so those are great shirts to wear. You go out with your friends. You have a couple of ciders or something. And so this shirt that you're wearing, first, could you describe it to us? And then also, is this your regular attire? And are you like going to hit up a bar right after this? 
Yeah, no, so this, this is a party shirt. Uh, your definition is accurate, if not spot on. I would say if there was a nail, you would have hit it on the head. Um, it's a green floral uh, pattern, um, predominantly of the leaf variety. I actually can't see any flowers, so I don't know if floral is accurate, but I, I'm assuming one would classify it under the floral pattern print. Um, a, a softness like no other shirt I own. Um, and it's sort of a, a contrast to the outside elements. So today it's, it's quite, it's quite uh, gray in, in beautiful Vancouver. So what I like to do on sunny days is go out either tarps off or in a tank top and enjoy the sun. But on days when the sun is stuck behind the clouds and I bring the party inside. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't intend on going out today. I, I might just, you know, crank on a little, uh, a little Bob Marley and, and, and tidy this house up because uh, I moved recently and uh, it's going to be a lot more fun to unpack all these boxes if I uh, if I do it with this bright shirt and some some bright tunes. I might even throw on some sunglasses and turn all the lights on because because I like to party and I'm going to party whether or not anyone's here. That's that's uh, that's what's going to happen, boys. That's uh, that's what our listeners come to. We like to peel back the curtain. Yeah, yeah. You know? People can I'm glad also. You did. People can't see me either, but I'm nodding my head the entire time he's saying all of this. Yeah, <laughs> our, our listeners won't be surprised, but Kevin is calling from a bar. He's on a patio, though, so don't worry about his, uh, his health and safety. COVID safe. Um, yeah, and so it's uh, in the middle of the, the tournament, so we've got some basketball games on. I guess, Dylan, are you also a basketball fan, college basketball? You know, I, I, uh, I haven't been following. I can't lie to you guys. It's been a lot of hockey for me lately with the condensed season, you know, for, for a season with less hockey, there's a lot of hockey. So I've, I've been pretty um, up to my eyeballs in, in the following of, of that league. So, um, but I got the score app and I get the updates. So go, go team, whatever Kevin's team is. <laughs> that would be you're Texas an, Tech. You're an honorary Red Raider today. Tommy and I are both Red Raiders. Red Raiders. Yeah, so we are we are a little over time actually, so uh, we can wrap this up quickly. But uh, just real quick, did you take anything from? You talked about you know you got you got to wear the ducks, uh, insignia and stuff like that. Did you take anything from the set there with the Mighty Ducks logos? I mean, maybe a hat or two fell off the truck, but uh, theoretically, <laughs> I I don't know, I don't know. I I I, I wish I could tell you, but you know sometimes those. Sometimes those little hats, you know, they, they go missing. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't ask, I don't tell. You know what I mean? The tiny little are hats. <laughs> are you, I mean, do you typically get in trouble if you like steal stuff that you're wearing from sets? Know. I've never done it before. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I, uh, I should ask someone a little more uh, rebellious than you. Uh, Mike, it's, yeah. It's like when I you're at a hotel, have, you're expected I, to take the shampoo. Yeah. I, why, why would they have in such small, convenient sized bottles if they didn't want you to put a couple in your bag for, for maybe you get to a hotel without bottles of shampoo and then you'll be happy that you had them in the last place. <laughs> Tell you what. That's true. Nothing's worse than a little, little shower with no little shampoo. That's the worst. And, and Dylan would know about shampoo. Mike, not so much. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't have any hair. Dylan's got enough hair for me and a few others. Uh, yeah, I can share. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question, just because I thought this was a good one. This came from a listener at Joyce in 61. 
on Twitter. Uh, seven game series, your Ducks versus the original Hawks back in the day. Who do you think wins it? Hold on. The, ha, have the original Ducks been made up? Damn, dude. I say the original Ducks because, like, do you ever like you ever see those Pee Wee highlights from like like modern day? Kids are regularly picking the puck up on their forehand and doing the lacrosse move. Yeah. So like I feel like the yeah my Ducks versus original Hawks. I feel like the original Hawks would like hurt my Ducks. They would physically <laughs> dominate them. But like it only takes one or two like opportunities where one of my skill guys gets free in the offensive zone and magic happens. So yeah. Yeah. I think we put more points up, but I feel like the Ducks would be shook at the physicality of the Hawks. That's a good answer. I, th- I feel like that's uh, well thought out um, and, and really sort of exposes what we're going for here with the, the specialization and the sports specialization. So I like that. Uh, Dylan, we appreciate you coming on here. Anything you want to plug, any Twitters, Instagrams, anything like that that we can uh, let the people know about? Yeah, Instagram's uh, Dylan Playfair one, and uh, Twitter I, I believe is also. Uh, let me check this out. Yeah, Instagram Dylan Playfair one, and Twitter is Dylan Playfair one. All the there other you Dylan go. Playfairs are taken. So, yeah, yeah, what happened to the like the original Dylan Playfair? You couldn't buy it from him or anything, or? Yeah, I don't know that guy. You know, I think what happened was the original Dylan Playfair might have just forgot his password. And he might he might be sitting here with you today. So there's a Dylan Playfair <laughs> out there with one brutal selfie, and that's it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm the one original. I'm the first one that remembered his password. So there's that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, for us at Quack Day Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Quack Pod. Go to iTunes, give us five stars. Uh, tell us who you think would win in seven game series: the the Hawks or the the new Ducks here. Uh, thanks to our producers, Elsie Barnett, Brian Berg, Alex Yabara, Josh Licht, Bobby Lemire. Our, uh, those are our executive producers, our regular producers. Deborah Chen, Jeremiah Bershey, Adam Ferry, Joyce Ng, Jared Beasley, Lisa Wilbig, Anthony Joffrey, Jeff Fantas, Matt Holtwick, and Stevie Yanks. Thanks again, uh, Dylan. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Ain't no time.